Hey, Bettys. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. Hey, buddies, welcome to the last Giggy Magic of 21. I can hardly believe it. And today we are talking about mindset. And hopefully you are, you know, beautifully somewhere allowing the time warp that is the time between Christmas and New Year's engulf you. You're getting lots of recharging. And what I tend to do this week is I really tend to reflect. I There's a couple of rituals that I go through. I'll often go through my calendar to see how I've spent my past year. Uh, what are some of the improvements that I want to see for the coming year? And one of the things I often ruminate on is how I can up level in terms of my mindset, because no matter what the goal is, you want to make a million dollars. You want to move from a brick and mortar practice to an online practice. You want to jump careers. You want to lose 20 pounds. You want to travel, whatever, whatever the goal is, you want to buy a house, all the things it all comes down to and is intimately related to mindset. And the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we process our trauma, the healing that we actively engage in is going to be the decider, right? This is the decider that will predict your positive outcome or negative outcome or no outcome at all. And so I saved the best for last in a way. I know that my audience, I know we all love, we all love talking about the physicality of things, the metabolism, the weight loss, the hormones. These are all really big hitters on the show. I know that you all love these topics. Some of the uh, topics we're going to explore in today's mashup are going to include who I believe are some of the biggest thought leaders in terms of mindset, resilience, mental grit, um, and of course, how that can translate into your everyday life. And this is not something that people like to talk about. This has been my experience that we all like to skim over mindset. Like, yeah, 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 I know it. I know it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got an inner child. Know it. I know where it comes from and I don't want to do, deal with it. I just want to acknowledge that it's happened and I feel like I'm done with it. But this ever evolving consciousness requires attention in the same way that your lift schedule requires attention in the same way that your meal prep requires attention. This too requires your attention. And as you unravel, if you so choose to unravel uh, some of your pain points from your past, it can be messy. It can be ugly. It can be uncomfortable. And we are taught to run away from it. So I will invite you if you feel so called to listen to some of the awesome, incredible guests that I've had over the years talking uh, over specifically this year, because uh, this is a 21 mashup uh, over the concepts of mindset and through some of the different facets. So we start with Dr. Nicole LaPera. She uh, has come on the podcast twice. Uh, the clip you're going to hear is related to her book, How to Do the Work. We actually have two clips from her uh, because that conversation was probably, uh, it is actually the number one podcast episode that we've done on the show to date. Uh, second only to uh, Dr. Shafali Sabari, who's also in today's show as well. So we start with Dr. LaPera. Uh, she is talking in this first clip about our inner child. And this is where uh, people tend to be like, yeah, I know I got an inner child, had a traumatic Mother always said this to me. Father did this to me. Uncle did this to me. This happened at school. You know, we, we are very good at identifying potentially where these traumatic insults uh, we have accrued with our nervous system, where we tend to be as an on aggregate, not so great is process is sitting with the uncomfortable, allowing ourselves to process the grief, the sadness, the loss, potentially the abandonment uh, that you uh, and I, we all have uh, experienced. Uh, 
So Dr. LaPera here, Nicole is talking about how our inner child is baked in to our neural networks. So I've often said on the podcast, my inner child is baby Steffi. You know, she has certain fears around abandonment um, based on my past, of course. And so she talks about how sometimes when we acknowledge that there is an inner child, but we don't do any work around it. And we just sort of stuff it away. Like, yeah, I got an inner child. I got it. Like baby stuff, you can go sit in the corner kind of thing. We can often have these really big feelings, these really big, like, and they don't even, they can be triggered by the most mundane, idiopathic um, events. And we can completely explode for absolutely no reason. Uh, and when you invite consciousness in. And that is to say, to become aware potentially of the thought patterns, the rackets, if you will, that are going on in your head. The, the, when someone says something, what are some of the, you know, the five to 10 thoughts that you can actually pick out of your racing monkey mind? I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms. And here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause, and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause. And there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam Minerals just taste like water and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. This is how we move into consciousness and we can learn about our patterns. When somebody says something, how we respond internally, the physiological change in our environment. And this kind of ties in really well with hormones. Like does that cortisol, do we start spiking our cortisol? Now, of course you won't know that unless you're taking a blood test, but of course you can tune in to how your body feels. If you feel tension, you know, I have talked about feeling tense in like kind of my heart area, my throat really gets verklempt, if you will. Um, and so she's talking here about our inner child and how we can not let the inner child be in the driver's seat, but acknowledge her ever or his ever uh, ever presence, uh, baked into our neural networks and how this inner child can very much show up in everyday life in the present, even though we may say, well, such and such event happened 10 years ago, such and such event happened when I was a child. It is ever present. If you are not consciously aware of how this narrative is driving the bus. When we are typically, um, the most often time we meet our inner child is when we're in an emotional part of our brain, when we're in a state of reactivity of whatever sort. And the more you witness yourself, speaking from my own experience, what I would see in those moments of activation is I would see all of that habit, habits and all that patterning of how I adapted or how I once coped. I would see evidence of doing one of two things, dissociating and acting like didn't really bother me until I got to the place where Perhaps I dissociated and I accumulated so much bother that my inner child every now and again would explode. Um, I wouldn't dissociate at all. I wouldn't just walk away or detach from the person. I actually would erupt kicking and screaming and yelling. Um, so anytime we have, you know, a big feeling, um, that's a really great time to become aware that there might be um, a deeper scenario, a deeper narrative, a deeper wound that is being touched. However, the foundation of consciousness, learning how to inhabit the self, learning how to witness our internal world, including our emotions, will set the foundation for us to then be able to navigate our inner child's presence at all times. Because you're right. A lot of us think that, oh, I know it's there. I know what hurt me when I was a child. So done here. However, like I said, our inner child lives in the neural networks in our, in our brain that are firing outside of our awareness, always looking for threat, usually causing that point of that reactivity that a lot of us carry shame around. I can tell you, speak from my lived experience, 
it doesn't feel good when I've yelled and screamed something I don't mean um, because I've erupted from that very wounded place. Um, it doesn't feel good when I hear myself, when I've checked out from a situation because I'm upset with you and now I'm not going to respond to your text and I'm going to think things like you'll miss me when I'm gone. Similar things of detachment of, again, that wounded space that I felt when I felt alone as a child. None of that feels good uh, to view upon and to acknowledge, you know, the pain that I might have caused loved ones. However, if I can pull back and make space for what it was, um, for the pain it came from, I can cultivate not only compassion, but again, over time, I can cultivate the opportunity to begin to respond in a new way, not to shame myself as many of us do. All right. Clip number two from Dr. LaPera. We are talking about healing the ego or allowing for that egoic drive to be driving our lives and the idea of boundary setting. And I absolutely think that this was quite frankly, one of the most profound clips of the podcast all year, because this is something that we suck at. <laughs> we suck at setting boundaries. We are so afraid, those core wounds, the fear of abandonment, fear of conflict, fear of not being good enough, fear of being made fun of, etc. These things all come to light when we even just think about setting boundaries. When we just think about telling mom to stop commenting about on your body or your diet or to stop showing up unannounced or for your friend to call you at whatever time of the day to bitch about her problems that she refuses to solve. You know, we are so afraid about setting boundaries. And of course, what happens when we don't set boundaries is we become resentful. And we know that, you know, contempt and resentment are relationship killers. If you accrue enough resentment over time, and maybe that's with your husband or your wife, or maybe that's, you know, with your lifelong partner, it's with your mother, it's with your sister, it's with whomever, that will absolutely decimate the relationship because you will have so much more contempt and so much more resentment for that person that you will forget the good things about them. You will forget the parts that you actually love about them. So we talk about how it is imperative for us to maintain these relationships through the act of setting boundaries and how boundaries are truly a safety mechanism to ensure that the relationship thrives and that it lasts. So here is just a wonderful, um, probably one of the more important clips in the year around boundary setting with Nicole LaPera. First thing I want to want to um, offer just around all things ego is acknowledge universal acknowledgement that we all have one. Again, it's based in our self-protection and our survival and all of the adaptations that we've been talking about that have created our onion, right? Our way of being or habit self in the world. So anyone out there, and I say this because a lot of us have heard different ideas and definitions of ego. A lot of times with this idea that we need to kill it or, you know, slam it down. Slay the dragon. Not, not yeah. welcomed, right? And again, yeah. I'm the offer that these stories have kept us safe, um, particularly when we're talking about our relational patterns, how we show up, the fact that, you know, we can't tell mom or to stop commenting about our diet or we can't tell mom not to come over unannounced um, or whatever the issue is. The point of exploration that would be really helpful for us as individuals, because it is a little bit different, is exploring why. What is typically the fear that what is the imagined scenario that would happen as a result of you doing whatever it is that you are deeming you can't do, or that's activating that discomfort when you even imagine saying no or, or not showing up in that way. And if we dive and drive down into that, typically it is a fear. It is a fear of not being accepted, not being loved, not being connected, losing that person and any version in between of all of those things. Again, typically created out of an experience where that might have been the case, where you did express something to someone at a time and given the circumstances felt shame or felt unaccepted for whatever reason. So, each of us, this is an individualized, you know, exploration, but understanding why, what is the imagined concern? And typically it does relate to 
some version of abandonment or rejection, um, which then in that moment we can honor if we do know where that came from, all of the pain, you know, that was very much a part of that rejection or that abandonment at one time. Um, and then of course the journey into boundaries and into creating change means showing up differently despite those imagined fears and discovering one of two things happen, right? Either you show up differently and the thing that you imagine doesn't actually happen. Um, and then you obviously empower yourself to continue to show up in that new way, or it does. And then you gift yourself with the opportunity, right? To continue on, to show yourself that you can actually tolerate more than when you were a child, likely you previously could either way empowering yourself to continue to, albeit uncomfortable. And I'm the first person, I talk a lot about boundaries, all of my difficulty creating boundaries within my family, in particular within my relationships, acknowledging, however, that limits now, space to express now creates a relationship that's much more sustainable long-term. So us saying yes now to placate someone um, out of fear that if we don't do that, they'll leave us over time results in, again, continued unmet needs and typically resentment, upset at another person. Um, And resentment, I know, and any um, relationship therapist out there probably has studied the idea of contempt, um, which is a document relationship killer. The more we get upset with someone else for our unmet needs, the more likely we are to cause damage to that relationship. So Boundaries are incredibly uncomfortable, though for many of us, they are the limits and the new safety mechanisms that save our relationships over time. Next up, one of the top episodes again of the show all year and all time, uh, Dr. Shafali Sabari, who has become a good friend of mine over time. Uh, She's just such a dynamic, intelligent Uh, incredibly fascinating um, woman. And in this clip, she's talking about when we become awake, it is in our power to take responsibility for our lives exactly as they are now. So with LaPera, with Nicole, we were talking about becoming aware of the inner child and setting boundaries And with Shafali, she continues this narrative and talks about how we must take 100% responsibility for where we are. It is high time that we stopped blaming mom when she made the inappropriate response. You know, she made comments about your body and she made comments about whatever, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yes, we're not letting her off the hook. We're not saying that what she did was right, but it's absolutely time for you to say, I'm not where I am with my insert life goal, weight, home, relationship, career, because of something that I am not doing. And so she talks about this in the context of women and this, her book, A Radical Awakening, absolutely required reading. You must pick up this book. Besides my book, the most, my most favorite book of the, of 21. Uh, so Betty Body and, um, and Radical, uh, Resp- uh, a Radical Awakening. And she said that it's not enough to just blame men. Like we absolutely live in a, in a patriarchal society, often a toxic one. But if you are just saying men are the worst, men are the worst, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. The point of a radical awakening is to absolutely take responsibility for every action that you take and how you yourself may also be contributing to the patriarchy yourself. And she gives a really great example about the pandemic, how we are all in sweats and track pants, but when we go to a party, you know, we are all dressed up and glammed up, et cetera. And she said, it's absolutely fine if you want to do that. Like I, I have said, I am a vain woman. Like I put on lip gloss to record, <laughs> to record this because I know you're going to see it on my YouTube channel if you're watching this on YouTube. So full disclosure, I want to look good for the public eye as well. And she said, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you acknowledge that you are also contributing to this perpetuation, right? So you want to look sexy, but like say that it's because you want to look sexy, not like, oh, I'm doing it for me. And like, you know, unless if you're doing that every single day, um, you know, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to society, which 
I thought was quite clever. I was giggling a little bit while she was saying this. You'll hear this because I often will say to my partner, I'm like, is it time for compliments yet? Like, are you going to compliment me? What do you like about me? Tell me. (laughs) I am a compliment hog. I want the compliments. And, you know, I've owned that about myself, like vain and want the compliments. And I'll sit and I'll listen and I'll I'll listen to you compliment me. I absolutely, uh, my ego absolutely loves it. So um, here is Shifali talking about how we can take back our absolute power through absolute responsibility. It's so hard to look in the mirror. I call this book a radical awakening intentionally because the first part is to awaken to the fact that we've been living in slumber. We've been in a fog. We've been conditioned. We've been brainwashed. Oh my goodness. The entire culture has sold us a lie. That's the first level of awakening, which is a shock. But then the real radical awakening is to take responsibility now for our own perpetuation of that paradigm, our own enslavement, our own co-creation. And that's where you really take the power back. You know, it's one thing to be invaded by the toxic patriarchy. It's one thing to be oppressed by it. And we are. But the real awakening will not come simply in saying that, you know, toxic patriarchy, bad men, or, you know, even putting them back in their place. That's only a piece of the work because that still has to do with them. The real work has to untether from anything on the outside and truly take that power back by looking at all the ways we have given that power, right? So how do you take power back? Not just by being badass and strong and tattooing yourself, that's just external. True power gets taken back when you look at your life piece by piece and go, oh, I just gave my power there, Mm, taking it back. Now that is the radical awakening and it's really hard to do, really hard to do. It means that for us women to take ownership at this level, okay, you ready? When we wear our stilettos, those really uncomfortable stilettos, (laughs) we cannot fool ourselves that we're doing it for ourselves. We cannot do that. Yes. Like, we cannot say it makes me happy. <laughs> we need to say, I feel happy when I get compliments and I get compliments when I wear stilettos. That's honest. You see? And this level of brutal honesty is a place we don't want to go to. But 2020 and the pandemic has shown us women how we love being in our sweats. No bra, no makeup. We're so happy. So what happens to us when we go outside for a party? Now, of course, we all want to look sexy, but we have to own that we want to look sexy, not just because it, it feels good on one level. It's because there's another level, because we like the attention. Because at home, our partners are like, can you look sexy? Can you please look sexy at home? And we're like, no, it's the pandemic. I'm who I am and this is what I wear. So at home, we're one way where we're truly authentic because there's no external validation. But what happens the minute we go out? You know, many husbands will complain, right? And not that they have a right to complain and not that I'm agreeing with them, but it's just they will observe the inconsistency and they'll be like, I'm at home all day and I don't get this, you know, fancy outfit and I don't get the the uncomfortable stilettos. I get the sweatpants and the, 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 the no combed hair. Right. So and that's really the authentic part of us, the part of us at home. But we don't carry that part outside because now it's the external world. And we have to notice the two splits in us. How are we when we're completely on our own? And how are we in front of people? And that's where we have to take our power back. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes, and your blood pressure. Start your morning right with a refreshing salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice, and it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. Element T also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want, and if you don't like it, they will refund your money, no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima, that's D-R-I-N-K, lmnt.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A, and you will get a free LMNT sample pack with any purchase. 
All right. Up next, we have Sam Skelly. And we are talking uh, all about this whole podcast was about breath work. But this clip was really uh, a beautiful one. And I wanted to include it because I think that so often we think that healing is so um, abstract. And it's, you know, a lot of questions that I often get is how do I heal? What's the healing? What does that look like? How do I finally shed you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, this narrative, this many pounds, et cetera. And one of the things that I thought was a really great tool that she shared, and we're sharing this here in our mashup is to name the body sensation that's happening. So often we are in our brain, right? Someone says something that triggers us and we're like already thinking about the response. We're, we're in our heads, we're getting angry, we're ruminating, and we're just getting angrier and angrier rather than saying, where do I feel this in my body? So for me, whenever I feel activated uh, or triggered, it's like throat and heart. Like I feel a lot of pressure in my throat. It feels achy and painful. Some when it's actually, when I'm very triggered, I actually completely can't talk. Like I have the words like kind of floating around in my brain and like the mechanism to move my mouth and to use my vocal cords is like doesn't happen when I'm very, very activated. Uh, I also will often feel pressure in my heart. Like I'll feel a lot of pressure kind of around if you, if you're into chakras, throat chakra, heart chakra. So Sam is, uh, is sharing here how we can kind of get out of our brains and into our bodies and how healing is not so complicated as we may, as our brains would like us to think it is, but it's really a matter of, and this is tying in and building on uh, the original clip with Nicole is that we want to become conscious of our body. We want to get out of our brains. I like to say sink beneath the throat and get into our bodies and understand what is happening from a physical perspective. You know, some people will get really sick. You know, there's that really strong gut brain axis. Some people will actually feel so sick that they will need to literally empty uh, either their stomach contents through via, you know, um, throwing up, or it could be like, they will mass evacuate the uh, intestines and the colon. They'll have to go to the bathroom um, and they'll have, you know, bowel movements of varying consistencies, right? So some people will feel really sick in that way. I tend to have it sort of higher in the body. Mine is throat and heart, as I mentioned. So please enjoy this clip with Sam explaining how we can begin naming our bodily emotions. Being in the lived experience and naming it in the present moment, it it's almost like it like plugs in. Like there's there's this moment of like, ah, oh, there's truth there. And right. when we can be a hundred percent authentic with our emotional experience and furthermore communicate that to another person, that's huge. Like that is the healing. There's nothing else that we need to do. Whereas the mind is like, I'm feeling like this. What do I need to do in order to not feel like this? Right. Which is very um, structured mind, more like the masculine way, right? Simply just naming the experience and feeling the experience. That is the healing. There's, there's, it's, it's not as complicated as we think the, the, um, the emotion and like the wave of it is so intense. So the mind can sometimes be like, wow, we must need a big plan in order to diffuse the intensity. <laughs> right. Right? right. But right. it's not true. It's just like naming it to a loved one. Like, whoa, I am feeling so much activation in my system right now. Like I want to scream. I want to cry. Maybe I will do that, you know, and just naming it and being with it and just letting it flow. Like the body holds so much and the emotional experience that you're going through might not even be because of the reality in front of your face. And in fact, it most of the time isn't, it's mm. this like archaic buildup of suppressed emotion and experiences and trauma that over time it gets so wound up in the body that like the littlest thing can like set it off, but it's not about the little thing. It's about the you know, 25 years of not acknowledging our experience that has built that up. And so much of the world is, is just so emotionally constipated that like the littlest thing, like, <laughs> I love that like we're walking oh, wow. around with like all this, all this junk. And th that's yeah. why I love breath work so much, right? That's why I, I am such an advocate for, for this work. It's because the mind is not doing the work. 
We mm. use the breath and the breath does the work for us. The body knows exactly how to heal it if we give it a path and an access point. But what tends to happen is the mind <laughs> cock blocks it oftentimes like, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Just keep going, just keep working, right? Right. And so like the breath is beautiful to, to just like release the structured mind, release all the reasoning and just get, get with the experience, which is what you just talked about. It's so awesome. This next clip is with Molly Galbraith from Girls Gone Strong. And we are talking about an abundance mindset as it relates to relating to other women. Now, her book uh, was another excellent book that I read this year. And in this clip, she's talking about abundance. So for example, she gives the example of really not enjoying or hating for many years cellulite that she has on her body that like almost all of us, uh, you know, have, we all like 90 plus percent of percent of women uh, have cellulite, despite what Instagram and the filters will, <laughs> will tell you. And um, so she talks about how she moved from a very negative feeling about herself. So I really hate my cellulite. I don't want to wear any shorts to a slightly less, less negative, um, thought. And then from that slightly less negative thought, she sort of marinated in that soup for a little bit, how she moved it to a neutral thought and from a neutral thought to a slightly positive thought to where she is now, where she used to completely not wear shorts, absolutely hated her, um, cellulite to it really not affecting her and not really affecting how she shows up or what she wears or what she chooses to wear, um, et cetera. And one of the things that she said that I was like, Oh, I used to do that too, was, um, not choosing light colored yoga wear so that people would be able to see it. And I totally used to do that. I totally used to only wear black. And now I wear everything from, you know, light beige to, to, and to black and everything in between. And she also talks about, you know, when we have a negative thought, whether it's about our own body or we feel envious or jealous of other women, um, or maybe somebody says something that triggers you, you know, she goes through a different thought process, which I thought was ingenious. And it was along the lines of like, what's the, how can I switch this thought from a negative to a positive? Or how can I give, what's the most generous assumption that I can make about, you know, let's say it's a person who said something that you didn't like. What's the most um, generous assumption that I can make about this person and this comment towards me? Um, and so Molly is someone who I've had the pleasure of uh, getting to know actually since uh, her podcast, we've, we've kept in touch and uh, just really love everything that she stands for very much um, a pragmatic approach to things. And I love her message and it aligns really very much with mine around, you know, a lift, a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, if you are further along in your path, this is part of the reason why I have started training uh, physicians and clinicians because if we can help more women, more female uh, clients or patients, then a rising tide lifts all boats. We are all better for it. It's not a secret that I'm going to hold and keep to myself. So only I live my best life because that's, you know, while it's important for me to live to my highest values, it's also important for me to share what I've learned along my lived experience with all of you so that you can take the bits and pieces that are relevant to your life so that you can make the changes that you need as well. First step is always going to be noticing and naming. So we can't change something unless we um, have awareness about it. And then I, there are a couple different techniques that I'd like to use that are <clears throat> that are different depending on the situation and different people are going to like different techniques. But um, the first is you can ask yourself, what is the opposite of this thought? Um, the second is that you can say, what's the most generous assumption I can make of myself or someone else in this situation? And the third is how can I align this thought just slightly to um, align with my values a little bit more. So an example that I give in the book is I have cellulite all over my lower body, right? 90% of women have cellulite on their legs. Even when I competed in figure competitions, I had cellulite. I had lost my period. You know, I had shredded abs and I had cellulite on the backs of my legs. And I used to feel a lot of shame around that. And I used to say, I don't want to wear shorts. I don't want to wear light colored yoga pants. People are going to see my cellulite, right? People are going to see I have this thing that 90% of people have. I mean, it's like, it's so, it's so ridiculous. People are going to see you have two arms. They're going to see that I have two <laughs> arms, just like everyone else. I know. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was so worried and ashamed of it. And, um, and so, you know, 
I would think to myself like, oh, my legs look so gross. I can't wear shorts because I have the cellulite, right? So for me, I was able to shift that perspective on that slightly. So I shifted it from really negative to, ugh, I've got cellulite all over my legs. It's so gross. I can't wear shorts. I was able to shift that to, I have cellulite on my legs and it makes me uncomfortable and, you know, I'm struggling with it, but it is, it is kind of what it is. So I was able to take it from really negative to slightly negative. Then over time, as I got more comfortable with that thought, like, I don't like this, I feel uncomfortable with it, but it was, I was able to soften the, like berating myself and telling myself I'm disgusting because of it. Right. And so I brought it to slightly negative. And then I moved from slightly negative to neutral. Like I have cellulite on my legs. 90% of women have cellulite. My mom has cellulite. My grandmother has cellulite. My sister has cellulite. It is just, it is the way that my body looks. And for me, I haven't been able to, or haven't really tried because it's, it's kind of, it's so neutral now. It doesn't really matter to me. I haven't tried to be like, I love my cellulite. You know, I, my, my friend calls her cellulite, her fancy fat. Um, she's like, I've got fancy fat all over my legs. I love it. It's like my legs are, you know, like they're like, you know, have lace on them. Um, I haven't, I haven't gone all the way there, but it's just, I have cellulite on my legs is what it is, like doesn't have anything to do with who I am as a person, how good of a coach I am, what I'm going to wear, how good I feel in my body. And so for me, I was able to slightly move that from really negative over to neutral to where it's not even a factor in my life anymore. And I don't, I don't think about it. It doesn't affect um, how I show up. So like you said, I give examples in the book of, you know, that's one way to, to shift things along a spectrum. Another way is to, um, is to think about the opposite of that thought and ask if that could be true. And then another is what is the most generous assumption I can make of myself or someone else in this situation? Next up, we have Ashley Stahl, and we are talking about her book, U-Turn. And this is really about being clear on who we are. So now we have kind of gone from the specifics of inner child and setting boundaries and power and responsibility, and now being clear on who we are. And so we talk about this both from a personal perspective, and we're talking about it from a career perspective. A lot of people who are, you know, as the new year is approaching, we, and if, you know, in light of the pandemic and how much it has highlighted, um, you know, things that we can or can't do things that we have wanted to do, but have been unable to do, or even just our general happiness in our, the relationships that we've had, it's given us an opportunity to reflect on some of the relationships and how we would like them to change. Ashley here is talking about listening to the whispers of intuition of who you really are, because make no mistake, staying unconscious and being, let's say, in a relationship that you hate or a job that you hate, eventually it's going to come to light in the way that you don't want it to. Okay. I remember as a, when I had my brick and mortar practice and I had patients coming in and it was like chronic headaches, you know, but it, they magically cleared up every time that they were on vacation. And then as soon as they kind of got back to their regular life, I was like, how's that job? You know, like, how do you, like, you enjoy the, you enjoy your work? Like, is it fulfilling work? And very often I would counsel patients on either leaving their job, right? Either finding a horizontal equivalent at another place where their job and or coworker wasn't driving them mad uh, or a different career altogether. It might've been a soul sucking job that they were just doing for a paycheck. And sometimes it was a relationship. Sometimes there was a relationship that needed to happen, uh, that needed to change either a, um, a personal relationship. It could be, you know, a marriage. It could be a relationship with a mother, a friend, a family member, et cetera. And so Ashley here is talking about some of the consequences around being clear on who you are and knowing your purpose uh, and knowing what your gifts are. And she talks about these three lily pads, which I think is really interesting. And, you know, she talks about the first lily pad. Most people are going to stay there. Most people are going to say, I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm happy with my job. You know, I'm, I'm fine, you know, and this is really staying unconscious essentially. The second um, lily pad is where people become awake to their purpose, to their belief system, uh, and to their gifts. And what are some of the gifts that they want to share with the world? And so that's uh, where she tries to kind of catch people is to really define what their gifts are so that they can flourish and so that they can share those gifts with the world. As I mentioned before, it would be one thing for me to learn all the tips and tricks around female physiology and keep it to myself and live my best life. Like that's one thing, but it's so much more satisfying for me when I can do that as well as share it with you. Because when I get 
an email or an Instagram DM or review on iTunes that says you've changed my life because of such and such podcast. That is it for me. That's why I'm here. That's I'm in it to win it for that reason. We all win. Like we all win together or we all lose together. I just think the best hack to a sustainable career is being yourself, because if you're not being yourself, then eventually you're who you are, what you want, what you feel is eventually going to shine through and leak through. It's or always going to win. It's, it's going to break, break through, through. <laughs> in exactly. the way that you don't want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminds me of my friend who married the wrong guy and kind of knew it like the day before the wedding. She's like, I'm making a mistake. And I'm like, then don't do it. Obviously, it's easier said than done when you've got 300 guests appearing at a hotel the next day and families involved for sure. Like what a what a painful um, public way to face the truth. She she walked down the aisle anyway because she she felt like that was a way to make her life move forward. Right. Like you are moving forward in today's society if you're married and you're getting a kid and you have your career. But what people fail to realize is if you're moving forward in someone else's direction, you're moving backwards in yours. And eventually who you are is going to shine through. It's going to win. And you're going to have to dismantle everything you've built in this perception of what's moving forward. So eventually who she was came through and it's the same with your career. Um, And so my, my question is like, why not start being who you are today? And I think the barrier to that is that a lot of people are disconnected from themselves. And, you know, as Don Miguel Ruiz says in his book, The Four Agreements, we've become domesticated. And, you know, the domestication starts at a very young age, just like we teach a dog what's good and what's bad. The dogs are taught how to behave. And we are kind of just like those animals in a way where our parents, for better or for worse, with good intentions, they domesticate us just like we domesticate our pets. They teach us what's good. They teach us what's bad. And society kind of teaches us what our career options are. And we become indoctrinated into this limited version of reality. And we become indoctrinated into this very real cellular desire to belong. I mean, think about like, you know, back when there were cavemen, it's like, the village was necessary for your survival. You needed the village for hunting and gathering and for taking care of the home. I mean, there were so many survival related things that you needed. And so that feeling, that fear of not fitting into community, of going against the grain, it, it, it counters your des- desire to survive in the world in a way. And so our desire to have a career is so linked to our, our ability to survive. It's about paying our bills, putting food on the table, attracting a partner. There's just so many primal needs that we look at our career to meet. And I think that that kind of domestication and fear really has gotten off, us off course when the truth of the matter is that there's room on top at every profession. If you want to be a painter or a poet or all of the things that are tending to be classified as with the word struggling in front of it. Like how many ter- times have we heard struggling artists or struggling writer or whatever, but there's always a poet that's making a ton of money. There's always an artist that is. And the difference between them and anybody else is they decided that they were going to, you know, from come hell or high water, they were going to pursue it. And they had a gift, which is what I would argue the most. And so, um, you know, there's most people listening to this podcast, hopefully not because I know that they're aware enough to be listening to a podcast about themselves with you. Um, but most people in the world are these undefined individuals, I would argue. And I say that with no judgment. I just think it's the truth. We're much beyond your favorite food or maybe even your favorite place to travel or your favorite song or music. You don't know much more about yourself. And so I think my book is really an excavation into yourself. Who are you? What are your skills? What do you value? What's not negotiable for you? Because when you start to put up some boundaries between yourself and the world, when you start to hear those whispers, like we were talking about in the back of your mind, and instead of dismissing them, you start to treasure them. You start to realize like, that's the gold right there. Um, Getting to know yourself. You have started in the races of giving yourself the opportunity for a fulfilling career. And here's why there's three lily pads. And I don't really write about this in my book. It's just thoughts that I've been having lately, but I think every career path has three lily pads you can take or each person. The first one is you don't like your career and you don't want to fix it because 
it's inconvenient and it takes a lot of work or you have golden handcuffs. I'm going to say that that's the majority of the population. It's, it's, it's just a lot of work to be happy. You have to like unravel your life quite often to stay unhappy because, you know, with every new way you see the world, an old version of you is dying and a new way of being a new thing you see is who you want to be next. And so most people don't want to unravel. They want to stay where they are. So that's lily pad number one. And it's, it's, it's a place where you're going to hear a lot of people say they're fine, but when people say they're fine, I just think they're not in touch with their pain. So that's lily pad number one. Number two is where my book U-Turn tries to get people. It's knowing where you're gifted. It's knowing what your skills are. It's knowing what your values are. It's knowing what opportunities exist in the workforce. Um, you can learn some of that in my book. A lot of that is in my courses, but really being able to say, this is me. And all of a sudden the world becomes a matchmaking job where it's like, this is me and my skills. And these are the opportunities out there that match that things just get a lot more simple when you know yourself, when you're vibrating in the world of your gift, what happens is that people notice that you're good at something. You start to thrive at work. And according to research, you're just happier when you're doing something you're good at because you're good at it. And you know, people like to be good at something. And so when you're vibrating there, it's like a riverbed. It's like a river current. You start attracting opportunities in that line of gift and in that line of talent because people want people who are good at things and it's actually quite rare in the workforce like if you think about anywhere you've ever worked there's probably one or two people that come to mind that were really amazing in a sea of like 20 30 40 100 people so it's rare to see someone gifted and i think those people are living on the second lily pad they're in their gift and they're attracting opportunities and then life becomes a filtering game you get to say yes you get to say no and and, and it gets a lot more fun so my book just gives you the opportunity to step onto that lily pad, to swim over there. And then the third lily pad, I think is actually quite rare. And that's Dharma. That's like a divine level of calling and work. And, you know, I actually never made it there until writing my book. Um, it felt like magic was like flying from the sky into my fingers as I was typing and I would cry. And I just had this like full body experience of writing. And it felt like it didn't even come from me. And I know a lot of content creators who are in their soul's work. Like they've felt that before. I'd never felt that. And I call it the place, you know, you get to create from the place and I'd never been there before until I kind of swam over to the third lily pad. And I think the only reason I made it there was because I did the work to figure out who I was. And, you know, that gives you an opportunity that second lily pad to just get a ticket into your possible Dharma. And now when I watch TV and I see athletes, for example, famous athletes, um, people at the top of their game, I can see the ones that are creating from the place because it kind of takes one to know one. And so that would be my wish for anyone is maybe you, you don't in this life find that divine calling. Maybe you do, but at least work in your gifts so that you feel lit up by what you're doing and you get opportunities that give you an opportunity to experience that. And last, but certainly not least, we have Dr. Patrick Gentempo, one of my longtime mentors. Um, when I was a chiropractor, I've known him and has been, have been following his work and have done his work for the you know better part of 20 years, uh, maybe more now. And in this clip, he is talking about his book, uh, Your Stand is Your Brand. And Patrick is very much uh, a modern day philosopher and talks about how we can really uncover and sort of building on this conversation that we had with Ashley, how we can uncover who we are, what we stand for, what our belief systems are. And in this particular clip, we're talking about purpose. And he shares that humans are the only animal that can choose a purpose in life. We can choose where and what and whom we want to follow. You know, he gives the example of, you know, if a dog could choose his purpose, probably, probably wouldn't live with you, right? <laughs> you know, if cows could choose their purpose, probably wouldn't have hamburgers. So uh, he talks about your purpose being your true North star, that it is your, your forever companion uh, in your pursuit and in your, um, uh, your experiences in life. And it actually makes 
uh, he doesn't talk about this, but I'll share. Uh, this is something that we've talked about, uh, Patrick and I, in the past. Is it makes decision making so much easier. Does this align with my purpose? Yes, no. It's either yes, it does, and this is how, or no, it doesn't. So it makes navigation through life with the boundless opportunities that may come your way very easy to navigate because you know who you are, you know what you stand for, you know what you stand against, and there, you know, for you know, in my um, uh, I'll give you an example with the podcast. I have probably uh, at this point, you know, 20 pitches a week for people to come on um, the show. And it's very easy for me to sift through some of these um, uh, pitches because I know exactly the type of person that I want to share with you exactly the type of conversations that I know you're craving. And I know that you need, um, and I, I don't want like, I don't want fluff. I want very in-depth conversations that will change you to the core, whether that is metabolism, hormones, mindset, uh, you know, and anything else that really encompasses living a better life, better sex, better bodies, better relationships, all the things. So, um, this was a great conversation. The whole conversation is worth listening to, but here's one of my favorite clips around defining your purpose. From philosophy, emerging out of philosophy, that third branch ethics is purpose. And purpose is the object for which something exists. What makes a human being different than any other form of animal on the planet is the fact that a human being can choose a purpose. A dog cannot choose a purpose for its life. If it could, it probably would not live with you. Uh, you know, a cow cannot choose a purpose for its life. If it could, there'd probably be no such thing as McDonald's. But what makes us different than any other form of animal is the fact that we can contemplate and choose and move in the direction of a purpose. Now, if we don't do that, if we're not so-called purpose-driven, then we live like every other animal. All animals live in, in survival mode, survival mentality. All other animals, and this is, I think, where the turn of the century, um, of the last century, uh, psychologists got it wrong with the you know, behaviorism, is that their, their basic comment on this, their metaphysical view, is that mankind lives in the seeking of pleasure and the avoidance of pain. And if you're living by pain-pleasure principle, you're living in survival. You're just, all you're doing every day is trying to find some pleasure by chance and trying to avoid some pain if you can. And that is not a purpose. With purpose, every day you recognize that there is gonna be some pain, there's gonna be some pleasure, but your constant companion is always purpose. It's the true north, it's the compass setting, it moves you in a direction. So once you have your philosophy, from that philosophy derives your purpose, that purpose now starts to give you direction in the most important areas of your life as we already cited, not just your career, but it can be your relationships, your, you personally, spirituality is a very big one, you know, having a purpose in that, all these things uh, matter and your purpose is gonna really, in large part, dictate, are you gonna have an existence of survival or are you gonna live in some kind of a passionate, in a, in a passionate way that creates achievement that fulfills you? All right. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I must give you the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer here. This podcast better with Dr. Stephanie is for general information only and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic or any other primary healthcare providers advice, treatment or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship that has been formed and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. In other words, guys, be smart about this. Take it with a grain of salt. Take this information to your primary healthcare provider and have a discussion with him or her to make the best choice that is for you. Remember, I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. And these conversations are meant for educational purposes only. 